Hello and welcome back to the Entro Podcast. I'm your host, Rashid Phillips. And the Entro Podcast is a podcast which introduces you to entrepreneurs in the early stages of their entrepreneurial journey. Now, today, I uh, have a very special guest here. Every guest is very special, but we just took a very special shot in order to get prepared for this podcast because uh, it's something new for everyone, new for me, new for them, and we just had to get the get the kinks worked out, shake, shake it off. I'd love to introduce you all to a very talented, amazing young woman, Rochelle of Row the Stylist. Thanks for being on today, Rochelle. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How are you feeling? <laughs> uh, nervous, but that shot definitely took the edge off, so there we let's go. do this. There we go. <laughs> shot brought to you by Jamaican Coconut Rum. It was yummy, by the way. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So I know you hate talking about yourself, but I'm going to hope that you'll indulge me for the next couple of minutes here and tell people about yourself. Who are you? What is it you do? Um, my name is Rochelle. Um, I go by Ro the Stylist on Instagram. Follow, follow, follow. Um, I am a hairstylist. I've been a licensed hairstylist now for about four and a half years, but I've just took on the new journey of um, being an entrepreneur and owning my own loft over in the salon lofts in Johns Creek. Wonderful, wonderful. So uh, for those who are like me who are ignorant to that, side of world and, and business what is what is salon lofts exactly it seems like sort of like a shared workspace type thing or correct yes shared workspace for beauticians so you can be a hairstylist you can be an esthetician um but it's just they have several different locations and you can rent out your own workspace and do whatever services you like to offer or provide for people so that's pretty much what it is nice and how does that differ because you were at a salon before, uh, now you're in your own space. How does that actually differ from what you had going on? Correct. Yeah. So um, I just recently left a um, company where I was basically working for someone and, and I was an employee. Um, but now I've left them and I'm in my own loft space. So I'm just renting out the space for myself. But I now can make my own schedule. I can offer my own services. I can provide whatever products I would like to. Um, so it gives you I can make my own schedule. Like I can I can basically I'm my own boss now versus having to work for somebody. Perfect. Perfect. So this is essentially your beauty salon, because just like if you've got a full building, you'd get that building and run your business there. This is that just at a, a slightly smaller scale. Correct. Yes. Your, your own boss, your own schedule, your own offerings. How does that feel coming from where you were? Uh, amazing. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, it's a totally different feeling coming from you want some time off of work and you're having to now ask a manager, can I get this time off? And they're having to approve or disapprove if you can or cannot. Um, where this is where I'm waking up and it's like, do I want to work, go to work today? Or do I have to go to work today? Like I have that freedom now of, of doing that and, and making my own schedule and being my own boss. So that's, that's perfect. And I think that's everyone's end goal. And you're just at the very early stages of that phase. So Let's go back a little bit. How did you get into hairstyle? How was this something you decided on? What happened there? Um, hair has always been my passion. Like it's always been something that I wanted to do. Um, in the very beginning, I thought about, you know, do I want to be a doctor or be a teacher or whatever the case is. But um, no matter whatever route that I took to 
look into a different career path, it always brought me back to doing hair. So I always knew from the beginning, like, this is what I wanted to do is my passion. Perfect. So for the young lady sitting on a sofa at home somewhere or, you know, the five, seven, eight, nine-year-old girl trying to do her diva doll collections here, what, what, what information would you give them? How would someone get to where you are? I heard you mention a lot of words that end in Titian. Um, so how does someone get certified, licensed? Like how, I, I don't, I have here, I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what you'd want to do, well, first of all, that young lady who has been indecisive of what she wants to do and if it is in the hair industry or, or whatever industry, um, and you've just been, been in debate about it, go for it. Don't let anybody stop you. Don't let anybody influence you to do something else that you didn't want to do. I will say when I first um, started and, and made the decision that, like, this is what I want to go for and I didn't let anything stop me, I had a lot of people kind of in my ear saying, like, oh, well, you know, you should go to school for this and do hair on the side or you should go do something else and, you know, put hair on the back burner. But I always knew, like, I wouldn't really enjoy doing anything else. Um, So I definitely do not regret the decision of following my dreams, following my heart, um, because eventually I promise you, you will definitely be rewarded from it if you do so. Um, But as far as getting into the business and starting it, um, I think it's really important that you should become licensed. It just kind of puts more of an official name onto yourself. Um, So what I did was go to cosmetology school. I went to a school called The Process at the time, but it's now formerly known as Kuhn Academy. Um, And I went to hair school. It takes probably about a year, roughly, but uh, for the state of Georgia, you need about 1,300 hours in order to become a licensed hair design um, professional. And so after you do that, you ha- you now have a license. You can work in an establishment where most you know most salons they require you to have a hairstyle or uh, hair license. I'm sorry, in order to work there. So it's not hard. It's really not as hard as some people may think. Um, but I think you should definitely go for it for sure. Perfect. So definitely get license, get that certification. It is that stamp that does open up doors because I'm pretty sure. Everyone's probably started with their friends here or this or something like that. But Mm -hmm. um, you can't really go into a salon like that. And when you how did you get into the salon that you have? Did you have to show like a portfolio thing? Was there like an interview? I'm just just really curious because I don't I wouldn't know if I decided I want to do here and I got a certification (laughs) tomorrow. I'm like, all right, so. Now what? Do I just walk in with my certification like y'all hiring? Yeah, right. Well, um, definitely have a portfolio. That's always a good thing. But if we're so now modern. So a port- for people aren't working into salons, uh, walking into salons and, and having a portfolio anymore. Usually it's like, oh, people have checked out your Instagram or people have checked out your Facebook. So everything's kind of online now. It's so important to like document your work and take pictures and all that good stuff. But um, as far as like you're wanting a a job in the hair industry, um, go in, you do do an interview. Usually you do like a written interview just to kind of see what your knowledge is on color or cut or you know stuff like that depending on where you're trying to apply for and then they want to see a technical um 
they want to do a, a technical with you, which that means you'll actually do probably bring in a model or they'll have a model there for you and you'll do a haircut or you will do color on that person. And what they're looking for is your skill set. So how do you apply color? How do you do your highlights? How do you do this haircut? And they're looking for technique. They're looking at speed, um, how long it takes you. So um, it's a couple different couple of different things that they're looking in looking at when you know when you go in to do an interview to become a hairstylist hmm. well that's good info and I have to say that's one thing I always uh, admire about your Instagram pages it always seems like you're always posting your work like the before process the during the after uh, how big of a role does that play in getting you clients and keeping you busy especially now that you're in your own facility it is a huge, 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 huge uh, impact that it has. Um, so, like, I have a couple clients who've just found me uh, or came to see me specifically off of my social media. They'll Hashtags are really important. Um, what I will say coming from the salon and the company that I was working prior to all of this, uh, I did a class, actually, so just strictly on social media and how much it now helps and benefits you and your business. Um, they taught me about hashtags. They taught me about following accounts and this certain amount of followers that each of these accounts have, um, the amount of hashtags that you put under your picture, lighting, uh, angles. I mean, ladies, we know how important angles are. Like <laughs> that is everything. So just kind of doing whatever is making sure um, is appealing to the eye. So you're trying to get your business, you're trying to get clients in. Like I got to make sure that these, these, this hair looks good for the, uh, oh, most importantly, you got to make sure the hair looks good, of course. But then, you know, you're making sure that it's taken at the right angle, that the lighting is good. Um, I will say invest in your social media for sure. Get yourself a diva light, a diva ring light. You can find that on Amazon. You can find it online. Um, and that just helps enhance your pictures. You know, the camera that you're using to take these pictures, make sure it's a great camera. Um, you can use your iPhone, you can use a, a Canon, like it doesn't matter, you know, just, just invest in your work, invest in yourself for sure. Nice. So outside of just getting that certification and, and getting there, there's still additional investments. It sounds like what you're saying is because if you want your clients to come back, I know. I, I always know it's a, it's a slick cut when my barber tags me in, in, in his Instagram because I know it's like, okay, that's some good work. So it's a good mm -hmm. feeling for the client too, being on the other end. But it, it sounds like those additional tools help grow the business. Like you're wearing many hats now. Even though you were with a pre-established company, you still seem like you had to control your own social media and marketing. For sure. Definitely. Um, and even when I was working for a company where basically they were doing the marketing for you, I didn't have to put this much effort, this much work into getting clients because they're already an established company. They have several different locations. Um, but, you know, they're, they, they have their own marketing. But now me working for myself, it's important for me to how do I get this business? I now no longer have um, anyone to help me. I don't have anybody I can go to to be like, oh, can you post this for me? Or can you do this for me? Like I'm doing everything all myself now. So that's also why it's so important to, um, you know, just do my hashtags, post pictures and post them very often, add to my story, any products that I use, I always tag, you know, that, that provider, that product provider, um, 
they'll repost you on top of that. That's another great thing. So not only am I reaching out to my audience of all the people that I follow and follow me, but by tagging other people, they are also able to reach out to their audience. And that's just going to grow you because at this point now they're directing um, their attention and their focus to your page. So it kind of makes full circle at the end of the day. That's perfect. Now, uh, to give everyone a timeline here, we're coming up on wedding season. Is that something that's a busy season for you? Because I'm, you know, brides always want to look good. Bridesmaids want to look good. I, I feel like that would be a market or area to reach out to as well. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, so brides, like bride season is so important. And usually most brides, um, they're going to reach out to you months before you know, that big day, that special day. And, and not only that, but um, they're reaching out to you not only for their hair, but for all of their bridesmaids hair needs as well, probably their mom or the groom's mom as well. So um, that's a great way to kind of market yourself. And again, when you do hashtag saying bride, I mean, people are getting married every single day for the most part, you know. And so once you hashtag bride or you follow a few bride pages, I mean, you're getting in contact with people who might do photography for weddings. And from there, they're connecting with you as the hairstylist to, okay, we need a hairstylist on staff. And then, okay, we need a makeup artist on staff. And so um, bride season or wedding season is is crazy. It usually gets pretty crazy. So I, got, I have a couple brides that I'm actually doing this year, which I'm super excited about. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. That's perfect. I, I always think that cause it reminds me back when I was shooting weddings nonstop in a way that I would cross promote would be reaching out to the caterers mm-hmm. and the makeup artists and the hairstylists. You know, I would try to offer, Hey, you know, I know if, even if it's not a bride, let me come by your salon and take some shots. So you have it for social media. Just keep me in mind if you have a bride. Yeah. So it seems like you've got that cross promotion thing. Yeah, for sure. And it's so important because you just never know. I mean, it's your own way of doing your own networking, which is great. So whenever I do hair for my brides, I'm usually going to their venue. And from there, I'm getting in contact with, you know, the photographer that's there on site, the chef that might be there on site, um, and just kind of giving because if the events that they do, if they ever need, the bride might be looking for a hairstylist and they don't have one. I've now made that connection with the photographer or with the chef of that wedding. And, and now they can say, oh, well, I worked with such and such a couple months ago and they were great. And now that's a connection that I've made and that is possible business for me. So it's really important to just keep those connections for sure. I like that. Now, uh, I sort of want to get into the, the, the nit grit of the business. Like, how is it run you said before when you're working for someone you sort of already know how you're getting paid you know how many hours you put in x y and z how does that you don't have to give us exact numbers but how does that differ now since you're you're now renting leasing your own space you have your own product overhead to worry about the products that you'd use for your customers and clients and then you have to factor in you know paying yourself and things like you know, you went from an employee to a, a, a businesswoman, and now you've got to become an accountant and a finance manager, a marketing manager, all of that all stuff. All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has been very interesting, but I've, I've been absorbing all of it and loved every bit of it. Um, never did I think this was going to be easy at all, because if it was easy, 
we would all be doing it, <laughs> but, we're, but we're not. So I know, you know, of course, it came with challenges, but um, coming from the salon that I was at, it was actually a commission-based salon. So if we think about it, I'm coming from a commission-based salon where they're basically dictating how much I can charge as far as services to the client. And then from there, I'm only getting a fraction of that commission. Um, and then they would also get a portion of it. So it's a huge difference coming from that to now I'm my own boss and I dictate how much I can make, how much I can charge, um, to my clients. And from there I'm making 100% of that money. But then of course you have to think about, I need to buy products for these clients. So yes, I'm making 100% of my money, but I'm also now doing everything else as well. So I'm, you know, I'm buying products that goes for color, that goes for, um, my tools that I'm using, my blow dryer, you know, et cetera. Um, so it's a, it's a huge difference coming from like, they're doing everything for you to now you doing everything for yourself. Like it's definitely a big jump. Um, and it has its pros and cons for sure. I mean, we would all like somebody to cater to us and you kind of get used to, um, the convenience and the comfort of, Oh, I don't have to worry about buying products because they have it already. And so now I'm like having to do inventory every week and, you know, I'm like doing quarterly taxes. (laughs) So it's been interesting. I like that. I like that you mentioned those two things, inventory and taxes. I think, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, no matter what field you're in, one taxes applies to all of us. Uncle Sam is going to get his, mm-hmm. whether you want him to or not. There's a <laughs> few ways to get around it. So sure. pay your taxes. But inventory is one of those things that I don't think a lot of people talk about or think about enough. And it's, it can really help you on costs in the long term. So out of, since, since leaving and getting into your own space, what do you say, what would you say are the top three skills that you've now learned yourself or grown even more so that you weren't really using or focusing on that much beforehand? Um, Top three for me would probably be staying on top of things. Again, I kind of fell into that comfort mode of having somebody else do it for me and now having to do it myself. So I'm really having to make sure I'm taking off and putting on each hat as it comes. So not only am I now the hairstylist, but I am also front desk. I'm also an assistant. Um, I'm also making sure that my money is good. I'm also doing my taxes. So there's so many different roles. So I would say first thing for sure is kind of staying on top of my business and everything that I've invested in. Um, Second thing for me would be marketing, I would say. how am I marketing myself? How am I staying on top of my social media? How am I getting my name out there? How am I building myself, building my brand, um, building my future on top of that? Um, and I don't know what the third thing would hey, be. Luke, no worries. We'll take, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go, we'll run with that. I, I like it now. Uh, I've personally used the service that you offer numerous, numerous times, and I'm always happy with the result. But uh, I do have to say there's a new option that it seems like the salon may offer, but I think it's really great. That scheduling feature mm-hmm. that you have, how how much of a godsend or help has that been to it, the business? It's been really, really good. Um, so what I have been able to do is use this platform, which Salon Lofts have 
offered me actually um, as far as their scheduling system and people just click a link on this link you search for the service that you want you search for the day you search for the time and you book and that's as easy as it's been so that's been really really convenient um, there's different different scheduling platforms that you can use um, and websites that you can use but so far I've been really happy with um, the one that I've been currently given so that's been great perfect and since we're talking about platforms that you're using for business I know a lot of people out there never know which platforms to accept money from or do they try to do all cash which is you have to report the cash still don't yeah. remember taxes you do. Um, Uncle Sam will get his money <laughs> yes and he will come and get it um, how do you accept payment from there's a million and one things now Venmo uh, Gazelle Square Acor- there's a like what Everything. what works for you uh, how easy is it for someone to say hey I'm trying to pay you um, very easy. So I am currently using, you know, Cash App, Venmo, Zelle, um, Cash. I don't do many checks, but those so far have, have been very convenient for me. And soon I'll be switching over to as far as the swiping of credit cards. Um, but also that's something you have to keep in mind too, because the credit card reader, the swipers, they, they charge a fee as well. Um, so you have to take that into consideration. Do you want to build in that fee into your service or do you want to kind of do that on the back end yourself? Um, so it, you know, it's been, it's been interesting learning the ins and outs of, it's just things that you literally, literally don't think about. Like I just didn't think of, okay, when I accept payment, like when I have to take tax from it, of course, but then also like when I accept these payments, do I want to charge them the service fee or do I not charge them? So it's been a learning experience for sure. I understand that. And, and you sort of see that at a lot of places where they say uh, a lot of uh, mom and pop shops, you know, if you're using a credit card, they have, they'll say they charge you a 3% fee just because they're trying to cover their butt because that's 3% coming out of their cost mm-hmm. um, or you have some uh, even now you'll go to certain gas stations they'll tell you if you pay cash you get a cheaper you know per gallon cost so I know I personally use Square um, just because it has so many features that that 1.7 to 2 percent that is taking easily pays for everything I use from invoicing to scheduling to payroll taxes all of it so I use that and the car reader because it does come in handy you know because sometimes people don't have a lot of the payment apps so having some sort of card reader is always useful very true nice i like that and when you set up the the business when you made the change from the uh previous company where you are now like what did that look like what did that feel like what what was that eureka moment that went off in your head that made you wake up the next day and say hey all right, this is this is sort of it. This is where I'm going now. Um, for me, that feeling was just like, ah, that's what it was. Did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. It was that like a finally, like, um, here it is. Like for me, I will say the fear will always be there because I think that's the biggest thing that holds everybody back. It's like well, should I do this? And the doubt, you know, the fear that you have of like, are you going to succeed if you got and do it? But you literally will not know um, if this will work for you unless you try. 
And so it was something that I always saw for myself, um, even while I was working with that company. But again, I got comfortable and I started procrastinating and I knew that wasn't where I always wanted to be, but because it was convenient, I stayed. And so the moment that I decided to leave and go out on my own was just kind of like, what have I been doing this entire time? I should have been, you know, decided to do this. So, I mean, again, it's not easy. And, and, and I don't think we've ever heard a successful entrepreneur go out and say like, yeah, I started this and it was great from the beginning and it's always been great. And they never had any troubles, um, you know, when they first started. So you've never heard anybody say that. And that's just because it's true. Like it's going to be hard. And I knew that, um, but so far it's been very rewarding and I don't regret the decision that I've made at all for sure. That's, that's the best thing that you touched on there is that it will be hard. It is scary, but you still, you still have to do it whether it's scary or not. You have to take that leap because you don't want to wait too long and then realize, wow, I sort of missed my opportunity. I can't really leave now. Yeah. And I, I think that's what stops a lot of entrepreneurs. Fear and doubt kills more dreams than any action actually does so if you had to give yourself a little a little talk when you first started when you first left that other business to now because it's been what three months yeah three months only about three months i'm fresh i told you told (laughs) you the entre podcast is all about those early stages and you can do a lot in three months but you have three months of experience now what would you, you know, if you could send yourself a little note back then on day one, what would it say? Everything will be okay and everything will work out just as you want it to. That's a really good note. I, li- <laughs> I like that. And, it, and it's true. It really will. As long as you're working, as long as you're putting in effort, as long as you're moving forward, things will work out. You know, you've got to hit those bumps, those failures, make those mistakes and learn from them. Um, it's, it's just part of the process, and it's the best part of the process. It may not always seem like it when you're in the moment, but it's a great part of the process. Uh, so you're here now. It's three months in. What is, what's, what's going on in the next nine months? What are the plans? I, I'm sure you want to grow the business, but what, what vision do you see that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm trying to get to the top. At the end of the day. And so in the next nine months, of course, you know, my business would have grown by then. I'm in a new area um, compared to where I was before. So, of course, as far as clientele, not everyone followed me, which is expected. Um, But right now I'm just building and growing. And eventually I'd love to own my own business, possibly have my own employees. Um, One thing I also will say is coming from working for someone, um, and then also now working for myself, there's a lot that I learned working for someone. And um, now being my own boss, there's things that I feel like I would love to incorporate into one day owning my own business and having my own employees. Some of the things that I was like, uh, oh, that could be different, or I wish this was different when I worked oh, for somebody. Like what? You know, um, for instance, like if I were to ever have a commission-based salon, which I don't think I will, but if I were to ever like just making it fair, just making it um, for the hairstylist to feel like this is where she needs to be. Uh, also, I will say coming from a salon where I actually was the only African-American woman. 
Um, yes, I noticed that, that several salon. times. I walked in, they knew exactly <laughs> who I was there to see. Uh, it is it is a whole different world. It is two different worlds coming from an African-American salon to a all-Caucasian salon. Um, and so I'd like to eventually have a salon where I've combined both worlds. One thing that I've always said for myself is, I feel like it's very cliche for only black people to do black hair or only white people to do white hair. Hair is hair at the end of the day. No matter the texture, no matter hair is still hair. It doesn't matter the person. Um, so I'd love to have a salon where you see diversity and you see all color of people, all different hair types from straight hair to curly hair to natural hair to relaxed hair um, to extensions to short hair to bald to, you know, men being in there. Like I want a salon that literally gives you everything. I like that. And I, I have to ask, you know, you ask like, how real do we want to get? I was like, tell me the truth, the, the, <laughs> the whole story. Um, and it's sort of a, a it is some a somewhat touchy subject you you do walk in a black salons you see black women asian salons asian women white salons white women same ordeal uh but being the only african-american woman young african-american woman in that facility in that area because that area as well uh what did you face any challenges did you face any uh any awkward uh events or moments or just things where you're just like hmm all right, is this just to be expected type of thing? Yes, I did, unfortunately. Um, so just to take you guys back, there was one time where um, I was finishing up with one of my clients and I had a new client on my book coming in next afterwards. And she walked in a couple minutes earlier than her appointment. Again, I was just finishing up with my client before her. So she wasn't she wasn't, I wasn't running behind or I wasn't late or anything. She was just a little bit early. So she had to wait maybe 10 minutes, which 10 minutes would have put her right at her appointment time in which I would have been done by then. But, um, again, I I don't know this woman. She came in and, uh, she was asking, you know, she checked herself in with the, with our front desk and she said maybe five minutes she sat down and she came back to the front desk and was just like, well, is my stylist ready? And, and, and who is she? She wanted to, me to be pointed out to her um and so the lady at the front desk you know showed her you know she's finishing up she's almost done you're actually a little bit earlier for your appointment she'll be with you in just a second and after she pointed her out to me um she realized again that I was you know I was a black woman and she then told the front desk or not told but asked her does she know how to do my hair And so I think for me, um, and I'd been there for a while, I'd probably been there for about four years, and there's been several situations that might have happened that I'm just like, okay, that reminds me, I am the only black girl here. But I think for me, that one stood out the most, um, just because she she genuinely experienced she was, I think she genuinely asked that question because she really didn't know, like, does she know how to do my hair? Because she's walking to, into a facility where she sees people of her skin color, majority of her skin color. And so the one girl she sees that's not her skin color, um, who's about to do her hair, she, she asks them, like, well, does she even know how to? Uh, which I understand, I get. I'm not saying that's right. Um, cause yes, I definitely know how to do it, but, uh, you know, it's just like, I don't want people to feel that when they walk into my salon, I want them to feel like 
that black girl can do my white hair or, you know, that white girl can do my black hair and, and be just as happy if, you know, the person of the same color did their hair. So uh, there's been a couple of times, but that one stood out to me the most. I, I, I understand that. I really do. And it's, uh, you'll face troubles, uh, no matter what skin color you are, when you're going into an area that isn't used to you being there. And you can either let those type of obstacles deter you or, you know, address them, you know, assure the person who ever has the concerns or had the issue, hey, that's something you may have to deal with on your own, but I know what my skills are and what I'm capable of. Uh, I have it, you know, with myself for a long time. When I was doing photography, I didn't have my photo uh, on my website or in my portfolio just because people would assume uh, and have these preconceived notions upon seeing my face and then immediately relate that back to my work. So there was many a time I arrived on set or location to film a project, photograph a building or space, and they're just, you know, not expecting this giant black guy uh, to appear. But, you know, I told them you didn't hire me based on my looks, you hired me based on my skill. And with you out there um, putting out so much content of your work, the before, during, and after, people are hiring you for your skill. They don't know which one of those women out there on the page is Rochelle. So I'm glad that you faced that and have faced more and will likely face more, especially in the area that you're going to. But I think part of being there and um, being there and addressing those issues is you get to change people's preconceived notions. You get to educate the area and that's a way to do so because I'm sure a lot of listeners may be thinking, you know, when you think of a black owned hair salon, you're not thinking the greatest part of Johns Creek or the top notch area of Alfred or Roswell or Hamilton Mill. That's not typically where you'd find our salons. Correct. And here you are in that space and it's not just you. Uh, that I saw there. You have a uh, a sister in here that is also a young black woman of color as well. Yes, yes. Um, her name is Sade. She is amazing. Um, she too actually is coming from the company that I recently just left. And both of us are starting this um, journey together. Um, and that's been amazing. I mean, honestly, having someone else there who's kind of facing the same challenges or um, just kind of learning, just taking everything in and doing it with you, that's been great as well. But she's awesome. She's also on Instagram. Follow her, Cuts by Sade, S-A-D-E. Um, so check her out as well. But yeah, it's it's been great just to have a partner um, there with me to kind of like, you know, have a second set of ears, have a second set of eyes to kind of reassure. So that's been awesome. That's good. I, I think that's good when you can go through uh, the battle, you know, walk the journey with someone toe in toe that can help, you know, carry the load or bear it or at least share the experience with you since you're both learning and both new to this. Yeah, definitely. That's that's really great. Now, before everyone always goes, I always like to ask them, what is three tips what are three tips that you would recommend or give any young entrepreneur and in your uh, case because uh, black women are one of the fastest growing minorities for entrepreneurs right now 
what would be three tips you would go ahead and give someone if you had to go back to high school and you had to give a talk, room full of young black women, what would, you, what, what would those three tips be? It would be follow your heart, follow your dreams, definitely. Um, it would also be you are in competition with yourself and nobody else. Don't look at the next person. Don't try to beat, compete with the next person. You're in competition with yourself. Um, and don't let fear hold you back. I like that. I really like that last one um, because I'm sure yourself, myself, all entrepreneurs out there listening have all laid in bed, and I'm sure you did probably the night before you decided to pull the trigger and heard those voices, what are you doing? Don't do this. You're in a safe spot. You know exactly how much you'll make, this, that, and the other. And not letting that fear overtake you, you know, is a very big challenge. And it's a challenge that you face every day, I'm sure. It doesn't immediately get easier. Those voices just get a little softer and softer. But every once in a while, you may get an obstacle that'll pop up and jar you a bit, but you got to keep moving forward. And I just have to say, you know, I I, I wanted to have you on here uh, because I think representation truly does matter. And I think having you share your point of view and communicating that it's it's plausible it's not impossible like you said it's a year's worth of certification 1300 hours Mm -hmm. uh building a strong portfolio and connection and as you're doing that as you're learning and you're practicing you can do your friends here was that sort of how you sharpened your skills there that is how i started yeah i actually taught myself how to do hair on myself in the very beginning And then from there, I started doing friends hair. And then from there, you started doing family's hair. And, um, you know, then I was just like, you know what? I'm pretty good. (laughs) You know, then you start noticing your your worth. You're like, okay, I'm not too bad, actually. This isn't just something I can do out of the house anymore. Like, so I went to school for it. And then from there, right after school, I um, went into a salon immediately after. And so sometimes you even face challenges with that, like going to college, for instance, and then getting out of college and you're like, I don't have a job, you know, but I mean, if you just work at it, keep, keep working, keep, you know, perfecting your craft, you will do great. Period. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I like that. And I, I do want to, before we go, I just want to bring back one more thing. You mentioned ideally you want to have uh, a company. You want to, you know, be at the top. What does at the top mean and look like for you? What is that? Do you want to be like, a, what is it, the John Michelle guy that has the products and, and <laughs> stuff like that? And uh, what is it, Pantene and uh, all of these? I would love to see a fully owned black owned business top to bottom that's providing full on hair care products at a household name level for us because what always cracks me up in relations to the the cosmetic and hair field the people who produce make and distribute uh those products don't look anything like us but uh it's sort of like getting uh fitness advice from a overweight obese person it's it's a little weird for you to tell me how to manage and put this in my hair when one you may either be bald or just have no idea the 
what I have to go through. Exactly. For sure. Um, for me, it actually means all of the above, everything that you just said. So I feel like it's like having your hand in a little bit of everything, honestly. Um, so yeah, I'd love to have my own hair care line, my own business, my own salon. Um, just doing a little bit of everything. Also, I would say I'd love to give back too. And for me, giving back would just be like maybe those young girls who um, they know how to do hair, but it's always been like on their friends or on themselves or something like that. So offering classes where, you know, you can teach and I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time, um, but you know, where you're teaching people who don't know and you're teaching them different skills. And again, some of the things that I've learned being in a all white salon and, and And now, you know, having a clientele that's very diverse and both black, white, all ethnicities, you know, giving that information to um, hairstylists as well or up up and coming hairstylists. That's something that for me, that would that would be being on top for me, just kind of giving back. But then also having my hand in in everything and and doing all that you can possibly do in the hair world for me. I like that. And I'll do my part to try to help with that. I work with a lot of organizations that help put on these lessons and classes and knowledge bases for children. Uh, partner with Atlanta United and Soccer in the Street for Kids. And, you know, they support a lot of kids in their growth. And I've gotten to speak with them. And I'd love to see if we can make that happen. Because I think giving back is a great way to make sure that the future is set up for success. And, you know, here you are building that foundation here. So I try to do my part for it. Now, to wrap up, how can the people find you? What are all the socials? Let them have it so that they can see this amazing work that you're doing. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at row, R-O-W-E underscore the stylist. Um, You can also follow that exact same at on Facebook as well. Um, And then you can also book online at Salon Lofts dot com slash row the stylist as well so follow 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 i follow back (laughs) (laughs) wonderful wonderful thank you so much for coming out and sharing your experience your expertise and hopefully inspiring others and allowing them to act on that inspiration thank you listeners for listening to the entre podcast have a great day